I, I think the pandemic, it just reinforced what I already believe is technology can never replace the humanness that we have, our humanity, but it, it's a tool for us to stay connected and for opportunities that allow us to live wherever we want to live, including on our tribal homelands. Hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. Miigwech for joining us. Native Lights is, at its core, a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Each week, we have wonderful conversations with great guests from a whole lot of different backgrounds. These are policymakers, healers, artists, YouTube and TikTok content creators, you name it. We talk with them about their gifts and how they share those gifts with their community. And it all centers around this big point of purpose in our lives. And I can't wait to continue amplifying Native voices today. So how's it going today, sis? You know, it's going well. Um, I feel energized today. I'm actually pretty uh, excited recently because I just moved into a new place and we have fiber internet now. So we basically went from, you know, 30 megabytes per second where if Maria and I are on different calls and doing a bunch of stuff, it gets real slow, mm-hmm. to about 250 megabytes per second, which is Whoa. which is great. We're flying. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Just you guys lying. got fiber there up in the up there in the greater northern Minnesota, right? You know, I cannot complain. I don't think we have 250 <laughs> megabytes. I think it was more like 100 um, up and down uh, gotcha. at its best. But yeah, it, we don't have any problems. Usually, <laughs> unless there's like a power outage or something, of course. Yeah. I don't even know why I had to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Going back a little bit, do you remember when internet was first introduced in your life? I have so many thoughts about the early days of internet being in my life because I think we barely got the internet by the time I graduated high school. Yeah. In our house. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny to think back to when, you know, we had D- or CD-ROMs with like the encyclopedia on it so I could do my research. Yeah, and then going to college, that's when I was finally fully on the the interwebs on the internet. Mm. <laughs> and so it was kind of a <laughs> a shock to the system, I think. Both college and internet being like, I got to check my email like <laughs> Definitely. That's weird um, for notices and stuff. So, yeah, do you remember? Pretty sure mom and dad, they gave us a choice between getting the internet or getting cable TV. And we're like, of course, we got to go with the internet because, you know, it's the new thing coming out. Yeah. Definitely remember the AOL chats, just awkward <laughs> chat groups. You know, commercials more and more had like the websites that they were pushing to, like the videos. I remember Surge. Remember Surge? The the drink? The pop. Yeah, they had like these teases to videos that you could, you know, go to websites and look at it. And it would take, of course, like 10 years for it to download <laughs> because we had DSL internet. So, you know, we're on this topic of high-speed internet and communications. Today, mm-hmm. we are going to talk with the president of Turtle Island Communications, Madonna Peltier-Yawaki is a citizen of the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa Indians. And like I said, she's the president of Turtle Island Communications. 
Madonna and her spouse, Mel Yawaki, have owned and operated Turtle Island Communications for over 20 years now to provide broadband, engineering, and consulting services to tribal nations. So can I get some props for Madonna Yawaki? Because that is just amazing. Yes, snaps. (laughs) Um, There was a time, like we were just talking about, where it wasn't super necessary Right. To have the high speed internet. (laughs) I made it through high school, for example. But as we're becoming more and more connected, and especially with the pandemic and needing to be connected basically instantaneously, this uh, broadband high speed internet is a necessity more than a nice to have. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that we're talking to her today. So she's she's super lovely. Hi. Hello. Buju Madonna, can you uh, please start by introducing yourself, uh, where you're joining us from, a little background if you like. My name is Madonna peltier Yawaki. I am in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. I am an enrolled member of the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa in North Central North Dakota. I am a business partner with my husband. We own our own business and have for since 2001. We have two grown sons and I have, I come from a large Indian family and um it, I always say that that kind of um, that's the reason I am how I am. I'm a middle child. <laughs> right, same here, middle child. <laughs> um, so, how are you and the family doing during uh, you know the pandemic and and all that? Thank you for asking me because those are those are niceties that are important to ask people and to take time. So, thank you for asking yeah. me. And um, this year and a half, because it seems like it's getting to be like that. Um, we were actually out on a job when things started to shut down in Montana. I think it was March 19th or thereabouts, March 20, 23rd, something like that, because we were asked to leave the hotel. Hmm. It's like, where are we going to go? Because everything was starting to shut down. And so the sudden impact on, of that time was like unreal. And then um, just where we couldn't see our family and it was real difficult because I'm very family oriented. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was a hard thing. And I know other people had it harder. I did lose a first cousin um, to COVID and I know other people had it harder, but it was hard for me to not see my family and hard for me not to acknowledge those important um, times where, um, where we lost somebody that we loved. And so um, it was very real to me. We're able to continue our work because a lot of our work is um, we do meet face to face and we kind of tripped along getting used to Zoom calls. Right. But a lot of our work when we first start projects is out in the field and there were tribes that were trying to get systems up while um, this was, you know, while COVID was happening and where there was no connections in homes Mm -hmm. and kids couldn't remote learn. And so some of that sat with me, too. I'm just glad that it's it's we're kind of coming out of this and um, starting to live our life again and be able to talk to be in the same place with people that we love and care about. Thank you, Madonna, and thank you for sharing. And sorry for your yeah. loss. I know we've yeah. this last year and a half or so has just been so tough. Just so much daily feel of 
you know, just getting through it now that things are opening up a little bit more, vaccines and all of that. Hopefully we can find a way to connect again, you know, in real life. So, yeah, thank you for sharing. And then, you know, the pandemic, right? I mean, I think that's a, a good way, I think, of getting into your line of work. Can you tell us a bit, you know, kind of the nuts and bolts of your company and um, yeah. how you relate to the work that you do? My husband and I, we're, so, we're such a team. He's an electrical engineer by degree. And I've, we certainly couldn't have our company without that without his background and skill. We both worked in the telecommunication industry. We worked for a corporation and I worked for an engineering firm before we started our business. So we came with experience and um, intent of what we wanted to do. Our goal was to work with American Indian tribes. We knew that from our experience in working in the industry, we knew that companies that served tribal lands didn't serve them with the same um, investments Mm. that they do in non-tribal lands. Mm -hmm. It's become very well known through multitude of reports that at the federal level that um, tribal lands lack broadband service typically. Mm -hmm. And, And so even before COVID, we knew that it's a utility. It's like when people turn on the lights, they expect it to work. Mm -hmm. When people turn on their water, they expect it to work. And um, with internet access in the homes, there was no internet access in um, many homes. When we started our company, it was the um, communication uh, medium was typically phone service. So large swaths of land throughout Indian country didn't even have basic phone services. So um, that's kind of where, you know, that the rules were all about the federal laws are, were all about um, having a lifeline, a phone line to, um, so that you could pick up the phone and it's going to work. Well, that is, wasn't the case on Indian lands. And then, of course, now the communication medium that that the federal laws are all about is broadband access so we can have internet access and we can talk we can access telehealth and then with the remote learning that's really significant and i think sometimes it's it's a it pulls at the heartstrings because we always want our best for our children in education what we see and are aware of is that some of the kids were getting uh what they call jetpacks from through school, they were working with um, vendors, with communication companies, so that the kids could take those home. But one of the homes that we were doing field work in, we met with the um, the grandpa, where the kids would come to his house. He had cell service near the living room window. So the kids would have to sit near the living room window to get that um, internet access. And their parents lived pretty close to each other, an eighth of a mile or less even. Um, and so the children's parents lived in that home. They didn't have internet at their house and the cell service didn't reach over into their house. Another instance was um, we talked to with the superintendent about the internet access that's needed in the homes and they had it in schools. But she said once their day ends, so does their learning. Once their school day ends, so does their learning because they can't go home and um, have internet access. This was even before COVID. And um, with some kids, you think, well, they could come back to school after hours or um, they could stay late. And in some instances, parents don't have 
the transportation to to get them to and from. I know that broadband doesn't answer all our questions, doesn't address everything, but it's a tool to improve life and access to information, knowledge, um, healthcare, economic opportunity. The, The reasons have evolved, but the basis of what we started, why we started our business hasn't. It's because there is a general lack of infrastructure on tribal lands. And without that investment, our opportunities to um, access all types of um, quality of life services, we fall further behind in those areas. Did I answer your question? believe so. That was wonderful. Thank you. I yeah. I feel like I have like five different follow-up questions from it, but <laughs> <laughs> but that was really great. Thank you. Yeah, I was just curious um and you uh brief, briefly touched on it, I believe, but how did, you know, the pandemic kind of reveal um or highlight the status of internet services in the native communities? Uh, are there is there funding from the federal government going towards this effort now uh because of the pandemic. There's something that has happened, which is amazing. But I think within the last several months, the federal government has been um, working on rolling out a $1 billion tribal broadband connectivity grant program. Um, And I'm saying that with a B, $1 billion. And that has never happened before, where the um, funding is tribal centric. It's going to um, require that the tribe um, authorize whoever is Uh, whatever project they have, it's got to be condoned by the tribe by resolution. So I think that is just long overdue, something targeted to tribal lands, because there is federal money that is available for um, broadband in rural areas. Um, And it's run through a certain agency. And it just hasn't, even those programs don't always reach tribal lands, those federal programs. And I think Whoever the legislators were, senators, Congress people, somebody was listening. And apparently a, a large group of people of those um, lawmakers were listening because by creating that fund, it's going to give tribes so much opportunity to make those real investments that are needed. Wow. That's great. Yeah, Cole. <laughs> That's funny. I just looked it up here and I saw that there's um, a press release from June 3rd. Uh, that says Department of Commerce's National Telecommunications and Information Administration announces nearly a billion in funding to expand broadband on tribal land. Yep. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're hearing from Madonna Peltier-Yawaki, who is a citizen of the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa Indians and is the president of Turtle Islands Communications. I was also curious, I know uh, your company helps get, uh, you know, broadband access to tribes, but how do tribal communities, you know, native communities, native communities, how do they get involved and, you know, help in the effort of getting better internet access themselves? In our our line of work, what you do is you get contracts with tribes. And typically how a tribe operates, really that's a good question for a tribe as well, is that um, it's understanding how they prioritize projects and what they do to move it forward. And so what um, tribes typically do is they request a proposal from you and or multiple companies, and um, then they make a selection through committee or um, 
you know, how, whatever their process is to review. And so at that point, when they sign contracts with us, then um, we proceed in working with, they assign a project manager, which is typical, and we report to that project manager. And the, the first part of a project is really to undertake a feasibility study. And we've done several feasibility studies where they've been authorized to proceed. And once they're authorized to proceed, then it goes into implementation. And we begin with funding. You have to, of course, before anything moves, you have to secure funding for that. And that's another part to this is we've been able to secure funding for tribes that we've worked with. And whether it's from private foundations that believe in what what we do and um, to kickstart it and then um, the um, different federal money. And so it's, you know, it's it's our work touches a lot of different aspects to this. And you talked about the tribe and I want to make sure that a a project manager that works for a tribe reports to um, their managers. And of course their managers report to tribal council or tribal, their tribal business councils. And on several occasions throughout this process, we are called in to um, meet with them for questions and so it, it touches the feasibility study because we work with a project manager. Um, once it goes into um, implementation, it's um, contractors. You have to go through TARO, um, THPO, um, all of those aspects to get, you know, to secure land sites for this. And then um, on the operation side, you have people working in as customer service representatives, technic- technicians, management. So it's vast and it's 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 awesome to see when it gets to that point where there's the, the face of that community representing the company. So Madonna, starting a company. Wow. And it it, it doesn't sound like a simple company either to start. Can you tell us what does it take <laughs> to start? And you're on your 20th year. How did you get to be 20 years old with your organization? When we started this company, we believed there was a need for people that come from those communities that understand them and could see this as if there's a lack of something, I saw it as an opportunity. And that, um, and I say that and I write it in some of our presentations when, you know, it's become kind of cliche now to call it a digital divide because that conjures up um, wherever you're at in this world, it can be applied to that. You know, like, I don't have a computer. That could be a digital divide. It's devices. But I I really look at this issue as a digital opportunity for tribes where another company hasn't made those investments, a tribe can do it. And it can be a sustainable business for certain size tribes. You know, and I say that understanding the regulatory environment at the federal level in rural areas. The companies that serve tribal lands typically have been subsidized for years. There's federal money that is low interest loans that are made to um, to companies serving rural areas. And when you can kind of match all of that with with an opportunity for a tribe, you look where the funding is, um, your your market um, to get fiber to every home, and um, it it's a business model that can work. And so we believed we believed that we could. And we set out to do it. But I would say the tribes had to believe in us too. We believed we could, we had the skills to do it, and we had the experience in the industry, but it was up to a tribe to say, we believe you can too. And we always appreciate that so much. It's always been that way with the tribes that we've worked with. 
that um, there's kind of statements that happen like that. So I appreciate that kind of two-way street with them. Thank you. That reciprocity, I feel, is just so uh, significant and like weaving its way through our lives all the time, you know, making opportunities for one another and enjoying opportunities that are are given to us, I guess. So um, that's great. I know I'm just so, I'm so impressed. <laughs> you know, you, you've been in business now for 20 years. Does it feel, do you take time to feel that accomplishment? I think early on, we had to say to ourselves, we have to, and if you run a small business, I think, I don't know if other small businesses would be this way too, but um, take, you have to verbally tell yourself, to pat yourself on the back because sometimes no no one will and um and and celebrate your successes i always want to make sure that it's understood that we do our work that's required but typically we report to a project manager who's a tribal employee but we've had we've worked on projects where they've they started as a project and they've been they're implemented either as um, they're operating as businesses now or their tribal owned broadband companies and um, or their tribal owned entities. Like in one instance, one of the tribes is a small land-based tribe and they operate their fiber to the home system as a, a function of their IT department. And so that is maintained that way. It's too small to build a business, but in that instance, but there are large land-based tribes, three of them that we've worked with that, um, that from the it started with the feasibility study, and then um, it was authorized by the tribe to proceed. And now they're operating businesses, employing their own people, um, and working in an industry that's about the future. And so it's it's exciting. It really is. That's a wonderful um, an industry of the future. And when yes. when you talk about who, who's in that future. Uh, We're talking about tribal communities, uh, tribal nations. Um, I would, I'm guessing that communities beyond the quote unquote borders of tribal communities also benefit uh, from the work that they're doing too. Yep, they do. We never, you don't build an island with systems. They have to interconnect with other systems. And so when you're um, building a company, you have to um, interconnect with other companies. Mm-hmm. This is your tribal service area. You connect with the next service area and you become part of what's known as the public switch telephone network. And that's where the federal regs come in, that you have to build a system that meets that level of quality of service. So, you know, when you're building a system, you build it to connect everyone now but you also build it for growth. It has to be future-proof, scalable, all of those kinds of things that, that are kind of like the um, how, how an engineer thinks. But also it's like, you're not just, you don't want to just build something that's going to, um, that you're going to outgrow at the end of this year. You know, so it's, it's having those skills and kind of marrying them all. And it's kind of just a mix that you apply to, to the work that you do. Wonderful. Thank you. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're hearing from Madonna Peltier-Yawaki, who is a citizen of the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa Indians, and she's the president of Turtle Island 
communications. I guess the last question for me, and maybe Leah uh, could follow up on it, but I was curious, the pandemic, you know, showed everybody that we all need to be connected, finding different ways to connect. Um, what else do you see, you know, coming our way in regards to your work with tribes and telecommunications and getting broadband out to people? No matter what technology does or is, there's never a replacement for person-to-person contact and um, in-person contact. It's so important to our mental health, our well-being, and our happiness. So to me, that's number one. And the technology is a tool. It allows us to live where we want to live. A lot of people can, um, there's artists, there's people running businesses, there's people working for different federal agencies on different uh, with different tribes we work for, where this fiber connection to their home enable them to have internet access where, like what we're enjoying right now, it's it's live, it's, uh, it's quality. And um, so I, I think the pandemic, it just reinforced what we already, what I already believed is it never, technology can never replace the humanness that we have, our humanity, but it, um, but it, it's a tool for us to stay connected and for opportunities that, that allow us to live wherever we want to live, including on our tribal homelands. Well put, Madonna. Thank you for bringing yeah. it back to that in-person, the, the necessary in-person connection too. Um, mm-hmm. that's really wonderful. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time, Madonna, yeah. for talking with us and sharing your great work and how you got started and why and all of those wonderful uh, questions yeah. and answers that you've given. So, miigwech. Yeah, I yeah, appreciate miigwech. this. This is really nice. I, it's good to know you both. I, I hope that someday we can meet in person. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, have a great rest okay. of the day and uh, gigawabamun. Okay. Yeah, gigawabamun. Gigawabamun. That was so fun. Yeah, definitely. And then just bringing it back to, I mean, there's all this technology that, of course, is needed, but um, bring it back to the person, person person-to-person communication and really connecting on a more personal level. I like that a lot. Yeah. And (laughs) getting tribal nations all set up, ready to rock and roll with high-speed internet and uh, communications will just be more prepared um, in case you need to keep our distance again someday for whatever reason that might be. <laughs> no, exactly. And she also reflects what you know a lot of uh, our guests have reflected, which is noticing a need and acting upon it. And she did that with fine, you know, uh, um, addressing, you know, broadband service issues with tribal communities. And it's just great to see that continuing and, Exactly. Find a need and Something just like go that. for it, you know? <laughs> That's a skill in and of itself. So exactly. So thank you to Madonna Yawaki. Absolutely. Madonna Peltier Yawaki is a citizen of the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa Indians and is the president of Turtle Island 
Communications and Turtle Island Communications can be found online at turtleislandcom.com. That's turtleislandcom.com. So I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. I'm Cole Primo. Gigawaman. Gigawaman. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. If you want to hear more Native folks talking about their gifts and finding their purpose, search for Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, wherever you find podcasts, and find all of Minnesota Native News' content at minnesotanativenews.org.